Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, everybody. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. We were here. Um, I'm RJ. We're here with Megan, Brian, and Jonathan. The, the gang is here. Hey, hey, gang. Hello. Hey, RJ. Hey. Um, so here we are. We're starting this new project, and I, I don't, I don't know if we are ready to take on a project of this magnitude, but we're gonna we're gonna do it today. Brian, RJ, you, why are you like underselling us right out? Well, the bat? I just want to know so if you guys. Ready for this. I just want to know if you guys think we're ready. Brian, are we ready? Well, I have two thoughts. Not to divert us immediately. Hang on, hang on. Brian was born like, ready right off the bat. This is like it yeah. wasn't his was, idea, but is, you'd believe it was. This is what I was born to do. Um, Number one, do you think that Fish was ready when they walked on stage, if there even was a stage, on December 2nd, 1983? We'll, we'll table that question for later. And number two, I just realized I'm the only person here who is not yet 40. Am I qualified to talk about Fish wow. yet, or do I need to be 40 years no, old to talk about Oh, it's fish? debatable. It's debatable. I don't think I know anything about fish because I only started seeing fish after they took their first hiatus. We'll table that conversation for later as well. Jonathan, do you think we're ready? Uh, I can only speak for myself and that I am probably not ready. But as usual, (laughs) I will try anyways. <laughs> Megan has already said that she thinks we're ready. So we're I'm at ready. least at least homework. 50% ready. So 
so this is the 40 for 40 project that we are starting today. We're going to bring you 40 fish shows and, and some side project shows because some of you smart people out there might know that in the 40 years that fish has existed, they have not played every year. Um, so we're going to figure that out and we have ideas, but we're trying to celebrate this 40th anniversary and, you know, three of us know what it's like to turn 40. And so we'll be trying to channel that into these, into these discussions. And thank you. Thank you, Elliot, for believing in HF Pod <clears throat> for tuning Elliot. in. Um, so, okay, so one thing you should do: we're going to be putting up more bonus content, and we're going to record a bonus episode right after this. So you can get a bunch of free stuff, um, ad-free stuff. It's not free, but it's it's free in in a lot of ways. You get bonus episodes, ad-free content, and more, and help us out. It's a f- several dollars a month, four ninety nine. Go to osirispod.com slash premium to check it out. All right, so before we get into it, how's everybody doing? Doing good. Well, doing good. I can't speak for everybody on this. <laughs> I'm doing here. great. I'm so happy we're all together. This is like our first episode of the new year because Jonathan and I just did a look back the year before on New Year's Eve's yeah. shows. So this is like this is like a new beginning for us. It's exciting. It is. Feels it's good. super exciting. It's great. Mm-hmm. And we're we're all, you know. We're all here for this. Also, we are going to bring, just so you guys know, throughout this 40 show project, we are going to bring back other co-hosts from HF Pod history. There are only a couple, but I've talked to them both, and they've both said that they're going to come on at some point. We're going to bring on special guests. We're going to just like, we're just going to hang out and have fun and and talk about fish. But um, we have to start in the first year, and that was 1983, and Brian was not yet alive not even yet conceived based wow. on the data that we discovered this morning brian, um, brian collected a lot of data um, that's really weird <laughs> i don't think that any of us were of show going age in 1983 no i was so young what was your guys first concert i think that that's a good starter here new kids on the block and when when was Rifle that dead was it really, Jonathan? It's so on brand. Yeah. Stop it. It's so on brand. Really no tries. way. You definitely yeah. saw some like lame 80s one hit wonder that you won't let us nope. know about. No? Okay. My parents wouldn't let me go to concerts or any of that stuff. Wow. My friends were all going to like U2 Joshua Tree Tour and I was That's mad cool. or Rush or whatever. I was less mad about That's cool. that. But, you know, hmm. uh, but yeah, I had to kind of like sneak off. Go see RF go to dead at RFK in ninety one. So you wow. didn't see any concerts in the nineteen eighties. Megan, did you see any concerts in the nineteen eighties? No, I don't think so. No, I saw New Kids on the Block when I was twelve. I, I did watch a huge sh- New Kids fan. I did watch a shit ton of MTV though, so that should count. That counts. There you go. That does count for something. RJ, what I about saw, I saw my first concert. My brother, my older brother, my stepbrother took me to see Nine Inch Nails. When I was 13. Damn. That's hardcore. It was wild. Nice. It was really wild. Really, That's really amazing. influenced my live music perspective <laughs> going forward. Can, That's amazing. Can we put- Actually, mine was in the 80s. It was 89. Oh. oh. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Can we Look get the Brian Storms comment up on here? Because I just want to say it makes me feel decrepit. And at first I thought it was a joke, but then I realized that it's not. <laughs> that it's Ryan. It's just like they, they call oh, him eight. Young Ryan for reasons. Unbelievable. Young Ryan. Oh, young young and powerful Ryan is what I call him. Thanks, Ryan, for tuning in and for I'm gonna need us. my wife to bring my cane up before I get out of this chair later. <laughs> oh my god. The fact that I own a cane should tell you stuff. Brian Well, yeah, I at least true. I at least saw concerts in the 1990s. So, you know, I've got that going go. for me. We'll get there. Second Clinton administration. You too, Pop Mart. I'm, I'm looking at the concert ticket mm. right now. Bono came out in a muscular suit and I lost my mind. <laughs> How old were you? 12. That is wild. All right. So what? <laughs> We've covered a lot of ground already, but Brian, you you did some research for this first show. Um, I, I don't think we actually talked about this particular show on Undermine when we went into the '80s. I mean, we talked about like this era, right? But I don't think we talked about. I this believe particular we did. Show. 
Did we talk about Undermine, it? Season one, mm-hmm. episode two was the HF Pod Roundtable. There were three of those oh, yeah. that season. Mm. Remember, we did like the every yes. episode we kind of adjusted things. And you guys talked about this show through. I want to say Halloween 86. You took like two batches or three batches of 1980 shows. And, yes. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. I went back and I listened to it this morning. Jonathan has a lot to say. I'm going to try to quote as much of what he had to say about it. It's good because um, I don't remember any of it. That's okay. I remember everything. Um, but <laughs> it was it was good. I mean, it's the first show. It's, it's, a, it's a notable moment in the band's history. It's a notable moment in music history. It's a notable moment in all of our histories. As uh, you know, regardless if we were not aware of it in the moment, but um, yeah, we definitely cover this in Undermine season one. Um, and we got to talk to Jeff Holdsworth, who is in the band at this time as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Brian, but you did some extensive research to, to try to learn about what happened in 1983 and what the world was like way back then. Um, my my daughter, who's only nine, asked me the other day if we had um, washing machines when I was a kid. So <laughs> I don't know if you're, if that's how that's your perspective amazing. was on the 80s, Brian. But, you know, <laughs> there's a, you know, it it's, was a long time ago. It's really funny because my son is uh, really obsessed with watching um, YouTube historical breakdowns of uh, gaming systems that he likes to play. And he makes fun of me every time they have stuff that comes up in the 90s. And I thought Nintendo 64 was so advanced. And he's like, the graphics suck, Dad. What is going on? <laughs> it was um, a big deal, man. It was a big deal. And that's like 15 years after this. But no, uh, just a quick bit of factoid about uh, the 1983 period, the late 1983 era that we find ourselves in. The number one song in America is Lionel Richie's All Night Long. And the top five songs of this week in 1983, I mean, we got some bangers here. We've got some absolute bangers. We've got Come On, Feel the Noise. We've got, I've got it pulled up here. Hold on one second. You guys can edit this out, right? That's possible? Yeah, no, we don't We do not do that anymore. It's, it's ah, a world. shit. Time I'm pulling is it up right now. literal. And sorry, I just make fun of you while you look for it. Um, and I will say, <laughs> Come On, Feel the Noise, dude. Loved Quite that riot. song when it was all the yeah, yeah. That was a love that song. Was that was that. a big hit. Yeah, we've got all night long. You were shocked to see how it was spelled, although it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Lionel Richie, say say say, Paul McCartney, and Michael Jackson. Oh, God, I remember Islands. that video. It's like a Islands a in the Stream. Kenny Rogers. In it. It's weird. Yeah, it was a good video. Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, and really fitting, kind of like a middle finger to fish more so than the ROTC gang who was yelling at fish to stop playing on this evening. Uptown girl by Billy Joel. Oh, you just had to be there. Didn't it? I just had to be there. (laughs) I wish fish would just get over it and cover Billy Joel. Maybe next time. Like, let's just, just like really just do it just to like, tear the bandaid off of all this anti Billy Joel nonsense, because I'm not the biggest Billy Joel fan, but I respect the guy. He can write a song. He can crash a car. Like he can do it all. And, and fish fans need to recognize he was married to Christy. Goddamn Brinkley for Christ's sake. He was. Yeah. But why does he have to be such a dick? I think that two things. One. Who says he really is. There should be an MSG Harpua that includes Piano Man. Yes. In the midst that would of be it so with awesome. a vacuum with solo. The Piano Man. That's gonna be this year. Him coming out or or like yeah. someone like the Tom Hanks thing from the two thousand two New Year's Eve, just like random bald guy with a goatee comes out on yes. stage and bows to the crowd all dramatically like Billy Joel would. Mm-hmm. But my, my wedding my song. For that. <laughs> my wedding song is a Billy Joel song. Which every time people are like, Billy Joel oh. sucks. I'm like, yeah, but. I saw him in hmm. concert and he kind of sucked. I think there's, I, I think his imagine. music's just kind of boring. It's like a little boring, it's I so think. boring. Yeah. I would agree. So boring. But I was also like doing a lot of things that would make the show not very fun. Yeah. Like I was, I was having too much fun. And then I went into a Billy Joel concert and I was like, mm. what? This That's is not as much fun. Yeah. I think you have you. Pace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if totally. you have a if you're from a like the tri-state area, 
then there's like a more than 50% chance that you like Billy Joel. Tri-state in this case being New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Just by default. If if you go outside of that region, then it's like a 20% chance. I I think it's, I think there's, there's some geography here. I think if, if you, if you like pastrami, no, um, (laughs) yeah, no, I just think that, um, the guy is a lot better than fish fans are willing to give him credit. And, uh, Uptown Girl is an interesting track. It's a deep throwback, you know, it, uh, it could have been Huey Lewis. Well, it's part of that early 80s throwback to the 50s. You know, you had right. Neil Young saying. making an album about mm-hmm. pink Cadillacs. You had uh, Huey Lewis at that point in time. Oh, I used to love Huey stuff. Lewis. You still love Huey him. Lewis still rocks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had, beating. you had you had a big pushback. Reagan was president. Everyone was looking back to the 1950s as though it was the greatest period that had ever existed. Music at that point in time. Nothing has ever been better the mid 1950s sock cops am i right brian brian i'm sorry that thank you for all that context but i can't believe that you didn't mention the single by bruce springsteen called pink cadillac which also came out in that in that era 1984 as the b-side to dancing in the dark i mean that was he was gonna say that for 84 yeah we're not there yet I'm more of a Magic Johnson than a Michael Jordan. I was th- sitting there <laughs> waiting for you, passing the ball. Okay, I'm not scoring on every shot here. So what what is this podcast about again? Unclear. It's about the 1980s. A um, really short fish concert. So we got we to talk about some other things. So we can, can I just say good two okay, other things? Like what you told us to do. Come on. We're like building it up. We're getting there. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. Sorry. He wrote a script kidding. and then forgot what was in it. I'm getting okay. anxious to talk about this show that we have only heard two songs of. <laughs> the number one movie in America at this time was Terms of Endearment, which I've never mm-hmm. seen, but I've heard is a classic. Awesome. Uh, My parents endearing. definitely saw it. Yeah. And the persons of the year of 1983, are you ready for this? Anybody have any guesses? It's two people. Persons of the year, 1983. 83. No, I was a very small child. I don't know. Maybe like the guy who performed the first kind of weird surgery or something that I can't remember. Or um, that's all I got. That weird that weird surgery. You're right. Yeah, that was a that was a good weird surgery. <laughs> I was gonna um, say open heart surgery, but was that like in the sixties? Probably, that was probably yeah. a little sooner. Yeah, maybe forties. Yeah. It's like out on the range or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ronald Reagan and the former Soviet leader Yuri. Andropov. They would be named the persons of the year. The love affair had started and it would just carry on throughout the 1980s. Yeah. That's like, well, they had signed some major deproliferation agreement that year, some nonsense, which was um, the most most important thing that happened. But they still sucked. Let's be, yes, yes, yes. Let's be very clear. But you know who didn't suck? Trey Anastasio, Mike Gordon, John Fishman, Mark Daubert, and Jeff Holdsworth. And for you out there who's saying, what about Paige McConnell? We'll see you in 1985. <laughs> yeah, just tune in later. And it, for, for those of you who don't know, they were not even called fish at this point for this, for this show. But there's disagreement about what they were called, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. At, for this concert, they were called Duran Duran. It was an amazing, amazing <laughs> concert. So Blackwood Convention is the that's that's the name that the band remembers being billed as. So is there controversy? Yeah, I thought I saw an article where Trey was saying that he they were never called that. Yeah, well, Ryan that's... is citing that down here in the in mm-hmm. Ryan Storm in the chat is citing it that they denied. Yeah. They well, disavowed. I, I don't mean to like burst anyone's bubble, but this is this happens with Trey. His his yes. memory He's from a long time ago is stories. different than his memory now. So I just I'm just gonna go with his previous memory, which was closer to the time that this actually happened. But you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not. We'll never Trey know. Got, Trey also got yelled at by fish fans in the middle of a concert in Sacramento when he suggested he had played a concert there five years prior. And they were like, no, it's been 20 years, jerk. Yeah. (laughs) We've been waiting. We could never go to another city. We built a whole new arena. 
The fish fans' collective <laughs> memory is slightly better than Trey's. I'm just I'm just saying it, it might not be in this case, but at any rate, um, the band that was maybe called Fish played at this this place, and there weren't a lot of people there. I think based on the photos we've seen and the and the you know the recording, you can hear like one per, one person talking. Um, but Brian, what what do we need to know before we talk about the the few songs that are released from the show? I mean, a lot of what we know about this show comes directly from the band. They've talked about it both in Bittersweet Motel as well as um, in the Fish book. It sounds as though as they would deal with, I think, I, I don't think they really ever played to unfriendly crowds in the way that they play to an unfriendly crowd at this show. It kind of seems like they were booked for a gig. They had a band that had been practicing throughout the fall of 1983 and were not incredibly well received. They play a set of covers, come back for a second set. They're asked to play something a little bit more danceable, which is a weird thing to ask fish, knowing what we know of fish now, knowing of like 1997 fish that like you put it on and you can't help but dance unless you're a total hater. Uh, nowadays, like people are dancing horribly, but you know, like they're dancing at fish shows. That's like a thing that you do fine. at fish shows. Not, Not all, all of us. Some of us, most of us. I just want to say, yeah. if you've seen <laughs> Trey dance on stage, it's what we you all look feel like. perfectly okay. With <laughs> oh yeah, you can dance however you want at a fish show, but maybe this, this is like, motivated them to become a dance band. I was dancing in my living room to twelve twenty nine, and my son was making fun of me, and I was like, "This is it." Um, but no, to 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 get us back on track, it seems as though they play a gig here that they got booked, made some money off of, and is really just it exists as the first documentation of Fish playing live. You go ahead as we're going to talk about shows next week, the following week, into the nineteen eighties, when the defining factors of Fish is that they play. To relatively friendly crowds, people that want to go and see them, even as we're moving into the late 80s and early 90s where they start to branch out. There's this word of mouth spectacle. And at this point in time, there's no word of mouth. They're playing at an ROTC gathering, not really what one would think is the typical fish crowd. Fish.net refutes the... Rotsy dance story from uh, I think he, they tell it in Bittersweet Motel. They note that it was not a Rotsy inspired or sponsored event. It was a dorm dance in what was a primarily ROTC dorm. Mike Gordon also lived there though, so it was just in the what was probably commonly the known Rotsy as the dorm. ROTC Rotsy dorm, but not an official we wear uniforms on campus sort of event. I appreciate that. Sorry. Context. No, 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 that's very helpful. I'm pulling it up right now again. Um, Breaking things in my office. Please continue. <laughs> so, okay. We're, let's just look. Can we, when are we, can we just talk briefly about what we hear? Because we only RJ, hear. RJ, why don't you tell us about the music? The end. The, all we hear, all that exists is this, <laughs> the be part of set two. Which is right. Scarlet Begonias, Into Fire on the Mountain, two originals, debuts by Fish that the Grateful Dead would go on to cover extensively over the years. Yeah, all the way that, back that's to about all. That's about all we get. It's so crazy though, to think that they were playing songs that, like, to think that yeah. Scarlet Begonias yeah. and Fire on the Mountain um, were only six years old. Like, that's kind of crazy. Well, Scarlet goes back to 1974, but uh, but the pairing yeah. goes back to the pairing, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that, like based on where we are currently. This is a young jam band playing a show later in 2023, covering "Everything's Right" or covering, mm. you know, like a think of a fish song or think of another jam band song from 2017 that's already deemed a classic, but it's still like pretty recent history at this point in time. I wonder I how much, crazy. how much dancing do you think was done at this dorm dance? Cause based on the number of people there, I don't think there was that much dancing happening. I think any dancing happened at all. Or do you think it was just people like sitting quietly watching them? 
I think sitting and having conversations while the band played louder and louder is probably. Yeah, I don't think they were listening. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't think that people really cared. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it 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 leads to one of my like initial questions about this show, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot since we uh, first did Undermine season one, where I spent like five months living in 1980s fish, which I'd never spent that much time doing before. And like, I kept coming back to who were they writing music for in 1983, 1984, 1985? Like if you think about what was on the radio at the time and you think about what they play in this show, like as it's documented, set one is long, cool woman in a black dress, proud Mary in the midnight hour, which is a great cover that they did in the eighties. I wish they would bring that back. Squeeze box, roadhouse blues, and a rendition of Happy Birthday. Who who are they trying to go after? Like like you Themself. would imagine the, exactly like that's kind of what I keep yeah. coming back to. Yeah, and their friends. That, and their friends. Right. Like, what would we want to hear? What do we know how to play? And what would we want to play? You know, I think that's why like they're kind of already who they're going to be, right? They're not trying to play like Michael Jackson and other things that are on the radio, right? Well, and it's one of those interesting things that like there's like a push and pull of it as fish history unfolds is I'm someone very much in this camp who learned about a lot of bands I've gotten into because of fish. Like I didn't really know the velvet underground or the talking heads before I heard fish cover those albums. And then I went and did my own deep dives and there's a ton of one-off covers that fish has done. I'm sure that they've introduced a number of people to like a recent band, like TV on the radio, just by covering golden age uh over the last decade or so they've served as this kind of guide for a lot of listeners who for a variety of reasons don't have the knowledge of american rock history but that's also something you do when you're like established like a lot of young bands just pick 10 songs 10 cover songs to play that like no matter who you care about seeing when you're going to see a, a bar band, you're going to know that song and it's going to make your night feel a little bit better. You may walk out being like, that band was really cool, even if you don't do anything with that memory or that sort of information. It's just like they're, they're, they're so clearly at this point in time playing music already just for themselves without really care of what the audience takes away from it. It's pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, I think yeah, there's a um, kind of bit of an agreement between the band too you've listened to you look at who these guys are were um you know we have some evidence of mike's pre-fish music trey's pre-fish music and 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 we know a little bit about jeff and and what he was into and and you get an idea they they had to come together somewhere too because this is what a band has Hmm. to do is they have to agree um, on who they are, what they want to sound like. And, and honestly, what, what song do you know? And let's play that one. No, that one's, I don't like that song. Let's not play that. Mm -hmm. I can't sing that song or, um, Trey, that song's too weird or tricky. We're not going to do that one. Um, and, and this is where they land here in the first few months of their existence. And, and they wouldn't stay here for very long, which I think is worth noting. No, this is a yeah. band that is going to evolve rapidly. RJ, I have a question for you. If you got a tape of this show, you're a freshman at UVM. You know, you're trying to figure out what to do on your Friday nights. If you get a tape of this show in early 1984, are you going to see this band? I mean, I think... Probably just because of the dead covers. Yes. You know, I think that's like the one thing that would, I mean, it depends how well they played long, cool woman in a black dress also, you know, cause I'm a stickler for those details. If there are any flubs, then I'm out, but assuming yeah. that they play it well and they play the grateful <laughs> dead, then I am in, I think I'm in. Yeah, I mean, that's why you won't listen to any 1999 fish. It's it's really unfortunate because you just can't do do the flubs. Um, Megan, would you go and see this totally. band? Totally. Yeah, I think they sound amazing. I mean, think about like how old they were, and this is their first time they're ever playing. I mean, there are bands that I hear play Grateful Dead that don't sound half as good as this. That are, you know, full of like 45 year old men that have been playing for 20 years. I mean, this is like. 
this is pretty good for your first time out. It's like tempo's good. You know, they they have you can tell they're all like great musicians already. And they're like, you know, I think that especially like Mike and Fishman really stand out as having this like groove that's kind of locked in and impressive. And Trey sounds amazing. I mean, I, I think his singing too, he's not doing that like weird Zappa style singing that he gets into. He's just kind of trying to sing a little bit more earnestly. And I think it works. Anytime somebody suggests Trey's being earnest, it just makes me laugh on the inside. <laughs> I wish that they would say he was being Ernesto, but you know, we'll leave it. <laughs> I'll say that next time. It's okay. It's just the first one. Trey does sound amazing. <laughs> Trey really? does singing. Like, no, no, his, his guitar. It sounds okay. tone is good. Incredible. Yeah, like it, it sounds it, easy. You can hear Trey. It's Trey. Yeah, I agree. It's not like here's a guy because I think he was playing like an Ibanez guitar at this point in time. Like it's not just like a guy trying to play Jerry Garcia. Like you hear his voice. Like it. it like when his solo comes in, it like emerges out of the sound cloud. That like, I mean, it's <laughs> still a little murky much. in there. People complain about the recordings nowadays. Um, but, you know, it's you hear that that just like lyrical, conversational, like approach mm. that he takes where every time he takes a solo, he's not just working up and down a scale, like he's actually saying something. And to hear that from someone who at this point in time was, how old was he? 18, 19 years old, like already speaking in his own language. It's just wild. You know, it, it's... Not like it's Trey Anastasio from 1992 is already there, but like you can hear it. It's really, really incredible to to hear him at this point in time. Yeah, and the incredible perp, we only have the Scarlet Fire. Those that's all we have a recording of. There they said on Bittersweet Motel that they repeated a bunch of the songs. Like they played the first set and then played all those songs again. I don't know if that's true. If that's also like faulty memory, but it's funny. Never trust a prankster. Um, and you and the reason that's in my head though is you can hear that attitude as well from trey in the very beginning of this recording you totally. hear a audience member somebody's like hey what are you guys gonna play and he, he tells her and she's like what he says scarlet begonias she says what and he tells her what he repeats it tells the whole thing i think he maybe says it's a grateful dead i i can't it's a little murky because it's it's not like they're speaking in the microphones. And she's asking, do you know any slow dance numbers? And uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. And you can just tell. Uh, then their tuning gets a little frantic and is kind of amusing. Uh, and he makes that comment about it's um, not all about precision or something. I'm not always an exercise in precision. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Uh, which is deeply <laughs> ironic as compared yeah. to the band this would become in, say, nine years. It gives off the feeling that they've had some really good band practices, which I think mm -hmm. is we, we part of the legend. It's part of the legend. And, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I'm blanking on people's names right now, but we, we, we got a number of people interviewed for undermine season one who talked about the band forming and talked about just like the initial vibe of like John Fishman playing drums at all hours of the night in their dorm rooms. And like the friendship that was, you know, f that was found on like day one between fish and Trey, which is really at the heart of everything that is fish, regardless the fact that, I only go back and listen to this tape when I'm required to, which of late has been more than in the past. It's always enlightening to go back to it, but this is not something I'm like reaching for listening to, but you can hear just in those little jokes from Trey at the start, just in the connection, just in like the way that Mike and Fishman, like Mike sounds amazing. Fishman is playing off beat and around the beat. And he's like throwing these fills in. Like you just hear a band that regardless of, you know, them playing legitimate concerts at this point in time, they are, uh, they're, they're close friends already. And they already have like a connection in a way that is going to shape so much of what's going to come beyond, you know, the brilliant music we're going to hear. 
I love that you guys yeah. had those reactions because I listened to it today and I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. So I'm glad that you guys <laughs> have a different, different reaction than I did. Well, so I, I just want to tell you. What did I tell it you, has, Jonathan? It has what a did rating. I tell you? Yeah, yeah. It has a rating on fish.net, which is hilarious to me. That's 3.776. <laughs> like I think that's so funny. Like, how can you rate this show? Like, who went on there and was like, hmm, they should they should block it. It's not restart. I mean, it's so silly. I just thought that was hilarious. Look, objectively, taking all knowledge of that this is fish or would become fish or whatever, it is the Scarlet Begonias itself is not played that well. Clunky murky in the recording so it's hard to tell for sure the jam is not bad actually jam's kind of interesting and fire on the mountain is fine and maybe even oh maybe even good but fire on the mountain is a two chord song so like it better be um <laughs> there's a lot of bands that have tried to play fire on the mountain and can i get those two chords yeah. <laughs> just exactly perfect as b and a come on people I do want to. Can I just add something else from about the 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 era? Because this is Brian's research about 1983 led me to read a little bit about (laughs) 1983 because I was only four. But um, I think you know we talked a lot about in the past about like the the evolution of the community alongside the band, and it just struck me that like 83 was considered to be the the kind of like the beginning of the internet because they like migrated the ARPANET to something, something that Jonathan could probably explain. They, they began using the uh, TCP IP protocol on ARPANET, which is the protocol in which all of this is happening. So like it was the beginning of the internet. It was the first year that, uh, I mean that year there's the first mobile telephone call was made. It was the first, like the Nintendo, the original Nintendo was released in, in Japan that year. Like, it just, I don't know, if they had played their first show at UVM three years before this, like, maybe that wouldn't have coincided with the evolution of all these other things that made mm. Fish, like, set so viral in the, in the, like, in the, you know, not in the internet term, but, like, you know, well, the word of mouth I love how you talked about stuff. that, yeah, on Undermine, you know? like, just how, like, the convergence of those two things was, like, timed pretty perfectly. And not that like the internet, I guess, didn't really come into play with them for a while, but who knows, like had they started a few years before or a few years after, mm-hmm. it's just like right place, right time. Even though if you were right. at that cafeteria on that day, it might not have seemed like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's we one of those things like they're going to play a lot of, they're going to play a lot of gigs like this, not, not necessarily like exactly like this, but they're going to play a lot of gigs throughout the 1980s that are going to be, they're probably going to feature some people in attendance who have no idea what they're going to see and they walk out being like not even i don't ever need to see that again just kind of like difference oh yeah just very mm-hmm. like you know you see some opening bands that you're just kind of like okay and That's, you have nothing else to say and you're not going to follow up with them and you're not going to follow their career and like a lot of those bands don't ever become on the level of this band but i don't know there's probably 10 to 40 people at most in like at this show, it doesn't really sound like there's that many. You can hear just no. like men and like isolated crowd chatter. The picture too is like there's no picture of any fans. I don't think it looks very empty. There's that a room. Couple people sitting on the far right side, yeah. and there's one <laughs> shadowy head directly at the bottom of the image, but also ten to fifteen feet away from the band. Yeah, a big open space in front. But I mean, how many times do, I've seen far more better established bands that. Mm-hmm. have a hard time getting people to get down in front and dance or whatever. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so first gig, nobody's down in front dancing. Not a shock. Yeah. That is the life of, you know, the, the young bar band is uh, playing to mildly in different audiences and just trying to convert that one. Yeah. I love it though. I love that picture because it just makes you realize like, everyone starts out somewhere and it's like so small and how hard it is to do that too. Like it is depressing, incredible purpose, right? Like it's depressing to play in that kind of a room where people are like, you know, yelling at you to play other stuff. And, you know, you have to be like, 
make jokes about like how the song is by request, even though they've been like bitching about it. And like, I think that it's hard to do that. You know, it's really, really hard. And it's awesome. It just makes you realize like everybody starts somewhere and like you have to push through that as an artist, right? You have to push through those years when like nobody gives a fuck about you and they're actually like not cool to you. We all start out small. Oh. Somebody said that somewhere. Yeah. Somebody. I remember know. that. I remember that happened. Say that twenty years later or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I think to your point, Megan. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's a depressing side of it, but there's also a really inspiring uh, side of it. This totally. and it's the thing that like will always get me about fish is we still do it forty years later. You know where they'll do something. And certain people um, in the fan base, I'm not going to name any names, will be like, why the hell did you guys do that? And they just do it because that's what they do. Like, that's just like they're artists who have a vision, who have an idea, they run with it. It's a different idea than what you would have done, but you're also not in their position. And you follow the big picture of it. And it's just kind of, you know, beyond the fact that they walk on stage here and nobody cares, they're going to come back and they're going to play another gig. And then they're going to play more gigs. And they're going to play more gigs after that. And they're going to go out to Colorado and they're going to play a scam gig. And they're going to then tour around the country like three times in a year for four or five years straight to just try to force people onto this. There's something really inspiring about their story that I don't think could have started in any better spot than here. I mean, there's that picture from, we'll talk about this probably next week, uh, the Nectar's upstairs gig, or maybe we'll do the Slate Hall show. I don't think we've actually decided, but we're going to do one of the two shows from 19. Leaves the mystery. Leave a little bit of mystery here. <laughs> um, but like there's a picture in the fish book of them at this gig and the dude of life is like all cladded out in weird stuff and he's dancing and there's like a guy actually dancing in front of the band. Like that should be in some senses the first fish gig, but it's kind of perfect that the first fish gig is fish just like doing fish things in front of almost no one and definitely no one who cares. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to repeat what you said, Brian, but it, you know, it, 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 it was that good. It so goes out it. and does this, <laughs> right. They go out and play this show. Nobody really cares. It translates almost directly to fish coming out at new year's and doing the new year show that they want to do. And, and I heard Trey read Trey describing the planning of it and is exactly how I imagined it, which is they sat down, they started hashing out the idea. They started laughing their asses off and without regard for whether people are going to love it, it happens that lots of us did. And, you know, some of us were always going to, no matter what it was or what have you, regardless of whether, yeah, exactly. Whether we all loved it, this is their plan. This is how they're going to do the thing. And and it's always been that way. They've always said, well, this is what we're doing. And hopefully you come along with us. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. And, and only way to one last. more one more note about the music. I want to make just I want to make it clear. I, I think the fact that they not only are playing to a small indifferent crowd, but they're willing to try to jam in front of a yeah. small indifferent yeah, crowd is totally. impressive. Even if the jam itself is just kind of like that's okay. Eh, that's what you get when you try. Sometimes it's just okay. So I have two questions. First of all, isn't there someone at UVM somewhere who can tell us what this band was billed as? I mean, no. do you think they got paid? Someone had to like write them a check. They said they had a check. Yeah. So yeah. So who was the check made out? Trace said it was like a big check, basically. He held up a... Well, like a, like a sweet you state. I'm sure it was just a check, you know, just a check. <laughs> 
I mean, isn't it one of those cardboard huge. checks, was, like pay to the order of made out fish, to tray. Yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, yeah. someone I mean, needs to go. They, someone needs to go. Incorporated. They weren't incorporated yet. I don't Someone think needs like to go to Burlington and get in the archives and figure out from the Harris Millis Cafeteria, twelve two eighty three, who paid. I mean, where's what was our the intern? I mean, there was obviously an announcement. There must have been a poster somewhere. They they don't have us. They don't have them. We haven't seen them, but there must be one. I'm just saying we need to get to the bottom of this. Follow it's important. The money. Maybe guys. we will follow, follow, the, follow the money. money. <laughs> follow um, the money. You had exactly. you had another question because I oh, have yeah. a couple questions as well. Well, when you when I said that I thought it was just fine, and you told Jonathan, I told you. Did you tell Jonathan that I was going to say that? <laughs> we talked before this about. I went back and listened to you guys under mine episode, and I described how all of you took this took the this show in, and I said, share it with the audience now. I'll, I'll share it now. Um, Brad said it was cool. <laughs> Matt Sounds had something right. very technical to say about the tape and about the yep. plane that I learned something. Um, you said it was just fine. And Jonathan said it was a better show than most people would say it was. It was very, very much on brand of how someone would expect the original HF Bang to take the very first fish show. There's a lot of people out there that are kind of just like, I'm not listening to that shit. Like, are you kidding me? I'm I'm not listening to that shit. But like, I'll listen to it. You'll listen to it. We're all historians of this, but we all take it the way that we do. I have to take, I have to figure out a way for this show to fit, fit into the Reagan narrative. Jonathan has to figure out a way to elevate this show more than it should be. RJ, it's just fine. I get it. I'm right there with you. I will say there are better uh, Scarlet Begonias from 1983. There's one two <laughs> months earlier that Trey was apparently in attendance for. That yeah. is is quite good. It is life, and it features. It sounds like there's a xylophone happening. Did did Brent's Mickey have a xylophone, or was, now, it, was that Brent? Tone on one of his keyboards is really bell like, but it's also really high in the mix, even on the audio. Very high. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the first thing you hear. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. I had to switch from the soundboard to the audience tapes because it was too high. And then even on the audience tapes, it's pretty high. And if you're wondering, we're talking about Hartford 10, 14, 83. Dick's Picks Volume 6. Very Dick's Picks Volume 6, yeah. And we finally, finally got, s- we finally got a Grateful Dead reference in here. Well, it's a great time Because I have a question for you all. Um, Let's hear it. I actually have a couple questions for you all. So there's a first set to this show. We don't have it. There is... I was curious about this when Fish played the New Year's gag this year. They there's a soundboard cut of them playing Long Cool Woman. It sounds like it's from the 1980s. I'm wondering if Fish Inc. has the archives of this actual show and are going to release it at some point this year. I have no information on that, but I'm just curious. Um, but it is notable that the only tape that we have that anyone's heard is Scarlet Fire. And I'm curious, like so much of what Fish had to overcome over the next 15, Mm. 20 years, I don't think that they've really, they really have to overcome it as much anymore. But like when they were really coming up, there were all these comparisons to the Grateful Dead. And it's so fitting that their first tape is them covering the like perfect Grateful Dead's uh, uh, combination, like combo songs. Do you guys like pick another Fish influence? for fish to cover at their first show, what would you want to hear them cover at their first show? Another one of their big influences that like resets the narrative about fish. <laughs> hmm. um, I don't know, like maybe starship trooper, which I have yet to hmm. hear them actually do in front of an audience for us. So maybe like a yes cover or something uh, or King Crimson Maybe cover. Some Maybe some Frank Zappa. Some Zappa. King Crimson is my pick. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, something off of like discipline that would just like, you could hear like that origin of the band in there. And that like that it's, it's important to me because it feels like that resets the narrative around the band. Them playing just Scarlet Fire is so, Jam band one cliche ish. Like, it, yeah. It's, it's jam yeah. band one one oh one. 
Yeah. But it wasn't cliche in 1983. I mean, there no. were dead cover bands and had been for many, 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 many years. There were non, there were bands that you wouldn't argue were dead cover bands that were covering the dead um, going well back into the early 70s. But um, that's who they were. That's like the scene they were a part of. And you can hear it sure. in Undermine Season 1. Yeah. You know, they were the deadheads when they weren't going to see the Grateful Dead were still in Vermont and going to see fish. And they were, uh, you know, they were into that music. That was the scene. And, um, and well, I think it became yeah, there were, when the dead, there were dead like, heads in dead cover bands in eight in the eighties as well. Um, sure. so they could have gone that route. They were smart enough not mm-hmm. to, stay in that box sure yeah, well, they're yeah. better musicians too right I, and original like composers and stuff but i also not than the dead i'm saying then like cover bands would be <laughs> like, but i also trying to think fight here? no is... i'm definitely not saying that i'm saying when the cover band if you're just going to be a cover band like you know you're not fish is never going to be just a cover band that's not that's a different kind of ambition but i think like when it became cliche was when like the grateful dead entered like the pop culture world in a way that like like when i was in the 90s in high school like everybody had grateful dead t-shirts and you know they were on mtv and so then it became like the hippie band that like that's kind of what people you know knew about so then when fish started to come up it was just it was more cliche to like say that they were like the grateful dead whether or not that was their main influence or not yeah, we got a good, we got some good answers here from from viewers. Talking Heads. You have to wait till eighty four for Talking Heads. Zeppelin, um, which they they do cover, but I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. That's a that's a it's a good question. I, I think can you hear me knocking? Which which happens a couple times in the eighty four tapes. That's like a good. That's just such a great guitar song like it just you know a lot of those early covers were just so trey could shred and i i, I really appreciate i that. wish they would still play that because yeah the 80s covers of them playing that are actually really really good and yeah every time i hear that song which happens like if i ever turn on rock radio like that song just immediately comes on and i have to listen to the whole thing um but it's just like it's such a prototype fish song um can, I have another can I address, question. Can I oh, yeah, quickly yeah. address something that's in the chat, which is worth addressing, I think. Someone notes that the dead covered a lot of songs, and that's true. The dead covered a lot of songs. So did Fish. Neither of those groups were cover bands. They were bands that played a lot of covers. Um, that's one of the requirements that Mike laid out for Fish. It was like he, he wanted to always play covers. He wanted to always explore other people's music with this band and you know they do less and less of that these days but uh but boy when they do it do it well agreed um i do i just want to address this comment that we got from rabbit hole with who says presence is zeppelin's best album and i i i i, I agree with you rabbit hole. i love that record thank you so great I believe um, okay. his name what is a- Rabbit Hole because he's about to throw us down one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I no. actually, I'm not. I actually, it's I think really it's my, good. It's a really good handle. I think it's my second. I think it's my second favorite Zeppelin album, but I think it's highly, highly underappreciated as a, as a work of art. That's my number one. Numbers three, yeah, three. I just never, I it never like really, it just never hit me. I, in all those years, it hits me I, a lot listen to other English folk music instead of Zeppelin three, but presence is, is good. This is all on brand. Incredibly on brand. Recommendations. Now that we're talking about Led oh Zeppelin album rankings, what, what, what else do we need to know about this show to set us up for our next episode, which is going to take us one year forward to, to late 1984. Well, I have a question that helps set us up for this. Yes. We're going to go around. Everyone's going to give us an answer. Um, so you're in the locker room post 12-283. People are outside. Fish, fish, fish. No, they're not um, at all. Nope. Megan, what is the advice that you're giving to fish after this show? Keep being weird. RJ? 
I mean, I would just, I would, <laughs> I would say to them what Trey says to other young musicians: just keep writing your own material. Where, where's the, where's the, where's the original material, guys? Come on. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> Jonathan. Um, you know, we got, we got our asses kicked tonight, but you're going to go out there next time. You're going to do it again and you're going to do it better. Something like that. <laughs> I can see you up in their faces, Jonathan. I'm getting this like flashback to the one season that Jonathan played left tackle for his high school football team. And, uh, yeah, I um, took a few concussions that explains the rest of my story. <laughs> Uh, we, this is great. We, we're going down another rabbit hole. I was a hole. cheerleader. Shocker. Okay, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> this all works. This all this all really works. I was just calling cheerleader turned stoner. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was Ryan Ryan Storm says fine page, which is that's that's good. That's very appropriate. That's like yeah. That. They do need it's some keys. I, you, I swear, like I've had a couple bands that. I have friends who played in bands that that were trying to figure it out, and I, I swear every band, like the one piece of advice I give them is like you gotta add, you gotta add keys. Like you need mm-hmm. that, you need that sound. So I think that's, I think that's a good, that's a good recommendation for these guys. Brian, Mine is advice? to play play more requests because clearly it works <laughs> in the show. So the audience <laughs> knows what they want. Yeah. Uh, this is Listen to what we have to say, and you guys will never fail. Um, so yeah, what do we have to talk about before the next show? We, we are talking 1984 fish, probably the most overlooked year of fish when all is all said and done. I don't think anybody really Mm -hmm. talked about what fish did in 1984. Well, we're about to, we're excited. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I just, I'll just say that this 40 for 40 project. So the, the plan is to go, it's probably going to take us the entire year to get to the present day because we're going to have to take breaks during to recap mexico and to recap any fish shows that might happen this year so we're gonna like be doing this all year so when you guys you know those of you listening and watching give us uh give us your feedback let us know what you think so we can so we can make it as entertaining as possible but i think there'll be many more debates about things that don't involve fish at all which is great well, and can I say one thing that you noted to us when we were setting this up that I think is just good for context for listeners is we're not trying to find the best show of every year. Mm-hmm. We are trying to just thread a very loose narrative of how fish evolved year to year to year. Um, some of the shows that we have selected are shows that mean a lot to us as individuals. Some of them are just like really fun representative shows, but we're not trying to find the quote 40 best fish shows that define the band we are just trying to find shows that give us an opportunity to dive into where they were at at that point in time and that we have a lot of connection to yes and to brian's question each week is going to be a specific show from each year yes Mm -hmm. and it's going to be it's going to be amazing and I'm going to be the special Mexico correspondent, FYI. Yep. <laughs> yep. That job's already booked. It's Somebody's true. Somebody's got to do it. It's true. Yeah. So do we want to tell people what we're talking about next week? Well, have we, I think we just more or less did, uh, but we don't. Yeah. We, they figure it out when next, when they tune in next week to find out what show <laughs> we're going to do. But I can tell you it is 1983 plus one year. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing and we will um i'll be in mexico also but i don't know if i'm corresponding am i corresponding with you megan or are you corresponding yeah with no you have to do it with me okay all right we'll just like so make we'll... a brief appearance on the recap maybe you know like poolside or something yeah i think that works okay um but we will we're gonna see you guys next week monday monday afternoon 4 30 p.m live and if you're listening to this afterwards we try to get it up on Monday nights, we just treat, keep it all Monday. Try to make everybody's Monday better. And um, I don't know. That's all I got to say. Anything else, guys? Seems like enough. This is fun. Thanks, everyone. Yep. We did it. Thanks, y'all. See y'all next week.
Osiris. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.